This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Uh, I want to share a quick testimony because um, uh, last Sunday, actually, during uh, the service on Facebook Live, uh, Faith and Mike Lester were watching the service, and... Uh, uh, during the Christmas gift offering, the Lord ministered to them and said, uh, I'm sad, gotten a little bit of argument with the Lord and said, we have some needs and uh, they're dealing with Mike's health and they're, we need to keep praying for him. Uh, they're going to MD Anderson, I think, next Wednesday. So we want to continue to pray. But uh, she heard uh, the Lord say, test me. And said, trust me. And so she went ahead and, and gave them out the Lord had spoken to her to give. And uh, she said within 30 to 45 minutes later, she received 10 times that amount. Now, I can't promise that will happen to you. But I can tell you this, according to the word of God, you will be blessed. And God will provide and take care of you. Amen? He blesses us when we give to him. So put him to the test. Uh, ask the Lord what he would have you do and, and do it. And he will bless you for it. So this morning I want to talk about an extravagant, generous father that we have. And, and talk about gifts from an extravagant father. And Jesus really revealed to us who the father is. Jesus upset people everywhere he went because he talked about God being his father. Can you imagine what was going on around the people of that time? Here's a guy preaching and, and teaching and, and mentioning God as his father. Well, people were, some were wondering, some were upset, angry, some were shouting blasphemy. Uh, that, that it was just... Uh, chaos, it, it was revolutionary, his message. And we, we forget that many times, that Jesus was revealing Father God to us. And, but then Jesus went beyond that. He's talking beyond the limits of anything they've ever heard. And then he starts saying, and God, my Father, wants to be your Father. You talking about people just, what? God Almighty wants to be my father? That's what Jesus' message was. And then Jesus starts revealing the father. And through a, a familiar uh, passage to us about the prodigal son, it's one of my favorites, the, Jesus shows us clearly the picture of Father God. And shows us his heart. And shows us what a, a good, good father he truly is. So I want to have some this morning and just pull a few uh, insights from that. But he has some gifts for us. We're going to look. If you look, you'll see the extravagant love of father. You'll see the, the goodness of a father. You'll see the forgiveness of a father. You, you'll see uh, him not even paying attention to the wrong, but coming with gifts for his son. 
in Luke chapter 15, and you've got this in your notes, starting at verse 11. Then he said, a certain man, this is Jesus speaking, man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now here we see the younger son coming, and he wants his inheritance. Now, that probably didn't make the father very happy. <laughs> but here he comes. I want my money, my inheritance now. Now, the elder son at that, in that day and time got a double portion or got twice the inheritance or the family possession. So this younger son got one-third of the family possessions. And it says in verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions for prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, for a Hebrew, this was a, the most degrading job that he could ever have, is feeding the swine. And uh, even uh, other nations, countries, this was a degrading. This is the bottom of the barrel job. Verse 16, and not if, you sweet, if you're feeding swine, nothing against anybody in here. Your job's feeding swine. One person over here, and I'm not sure if he's telling the truth. There's a smile on his face. So he, Verse 16, one gave him. Finally, he filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him any. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, something great about coming to yourself, isn't there? I remember the day I came to myself. This isn't working. On my own, this is not working. I need God in my life. I cannot go on this way. I cannot keep going down the same path, the same old mountain, same old turns. I need some supernatural help. My life isn't cutting it. Heartbreak. Harassment. I was harassing myself. It was just all these issues going on with the heart. And I, I came to myself and said, I need my Savior. I need Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. And when I did, he saved me and set me free. I've never been the same. Never been the same. Because what he does for you, no, one, no man, no woman can do for you. Only God can do is give you a new heart and give you a fresh start. For a new life with him. Verse 17. But when he came to himself he said. How many of my father's hired servants. Have bread enough. And to spare. And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him. Father I have sinned against heaven. And before you. 
and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now see, he has this pre, he's been rehearsing this speech. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, I love this. Remember, this is the picture of Father God. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, think about this. Some parents at this point would have disowned their son. You're coming back here. You have squandered the inheritance that you upset me about getting it before I, I died. But I gave it to you. How a parent would react to this normally, but not God. Not our father. And, and a parent might wonder, what do I do if my wondering child comes back home asking for help? I would do the same thing Father God does. He was expecting. He was looking for him. I would stand on the word. I'd be praying for him or her to come home. And then I would surround them with love and compassion. There's something about the way Father God does things. That changes lives. But I want you to notice, I mean, the father's response here, which we're going to look at in verse 22, it says, But when the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on, his, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Wow. You talking about not paying attention to, to this younger son's prepared, rehearsed speech. He starts saying, I have gifts for you. He tells his servants, bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Put some shoes on this boy. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. The heart of the father said, let's celebrate. My son has come home. Kill the fatty calf. Make merry. And that's what Father God does every time a child comes back to him. One turns to him and comes home to father. There's rejoicing in heaven that says, over one sinner that repents turns to God. There's a party in heaven. You know the old song, they're, part of, they're having a party in hell. There's a party in hell tonight, whatever. That's a lie. The party's in heaven. <laughs> and we as a church, we want to cause some celebration in heaven. We want to lead others to Jesus and show the way. The father did not pay attention to, to the son. He called for three things. Number one, he's got this in your note, best robe. Best robe. 
The father says, I want you to have this gift, the best robe. This was the robe worn by the father himself. He took his own robe and put it on his son. Isaiah 61.10, referring to this robe, it says, I will, be, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. When I recognize that Father God has given me his robe, what is that robe? It's a robe of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the ability to stand before Father God as if sin never existed. To stand before God without fear or guilt or condemnation or inferiority. To stand before God like you belong there. Like you belong to be a part of his family. Because you do. Because he made you that way. He gave you a robe of righteousness. It's the best robe. And see, we're not to have a sin consciousness. We're to move away from that and have a righteous consciousness. Doesn't mean that we don't repent. We need to be quick to repent. I'm quicker to repent with a righteousness consciousness than with a sin consciousness. What do I mean by that? Adam and Eve, in the beginning, when they sinned, they, they gained a sin consciousness. And many times our own consciousness will condemn us. It's not God doing it. What do we do? We repent and we turn to God. Get your robe back on. Amen? It used to take me days and weeks to ask repentance and get forgiveness and get back to where I was. Now it's immediate. I just put my robe. I don't even get it, get it off. I mean, Lord, I'm sorry. Get my robe on. And it fits. <laughs> Say the best robe. Our hearts rejoice that God has put his own righteousness on us. It's not the righteousness of men. It's the righteousness of God that he's given to us. It's a gift. What a gift. You can't put a price on this gift. You can't purchase this gift. You can't deserve it. It's a gift that God has given to us when we come to him. You can't be too thankful for this gift of righteousness. How do you get the gift of righteousness? You surrender to him. You give your life to him. And then you have heaven as your home. You're secure for eternity. You belong to him. You're welcome in the throne room of God. What? I become the righteousness of God. I put this robe on. And I can go into the throne room of grace. I'm welcome there. I have an open invitation 24-7. I can have an audience with God Almighty, the creator of the universe. I can go and be with him. Wow. It's awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, that really is awesome. We're a part of the God family. 
What's your family tree? The God family. That's pretty good uh, heritage there. <laughs> That's a pretty good bloodline there. What's your bloodline? The God family. Now, I don't suggest you go around just telling everybody this. This is for you and I, okay? Just trust me on that one. It wouldn't go good. He lifts us up out of guilt and shame into freedom. Jesus identified with our sins through the cross. And because of the cross, because of the price that was paid, he took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. It says that righteousness was imputed into us. That's an accounting term. In other words, Jesus took into his account our unrighteousness and then we receive his righteousness in our account. Wow. You see what a great gift the Father has given to us? In Zechariah 3, verse 1, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. He when you get this robe of righteousness, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, from your iniquity, from your sins, from the wrong decisions, from the mistakes, from all the dumb things you've done, from all the dumb things you've said, for all the things that you did outside of the love of God, outside of faith. He washes you clean. And it's not just a little cleansing. You're brand new. You're brand new. This blood that cleanses you, cleanses you to the uttermost part of your being. And you become a new spirit. You have new life. The blood speaks that we are redeemed. Understanding that God's righteousness is ours will cause us to walk in the new place of holiness. Once you understand who you are, your behavior will change. I'm reminded of uh, Ronell who used to teach in South Africa. She wanted to do a test on her students and she was teaching uh, the class um, were really disabled kids or had trouble learning. And she said, I want to tell them they're the smartest class. Can I do that? And she got permission to do this. And she started telling them they're the smartest class. And you know what happened? At first they said, that can't be right. Everybody's told us we were the lowest class. She said, they were wrong. You are the smartest class. 
their grades shot up because they started believing it. This thing is based, your life is based on what you believe. Let's believe God. Let's believe the word, what he says. And if he's cleansed you, if he's made you righteous, start believing it. And watch what will happen. Things will change. Your behavior will change. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's some garments that God has for us. Have you ever had the spirit of heaviness? And I'm not just talking about after Thanksgiving meal. It says, put on the garment of praise. Take it off. Oh, God, will you do something about this heaviness? I just fell a little under the weather. You know, the sun hadn't been out for a few days. I just feel, uh, this is bad. This is bad, Father. Do something, do something. And he's saying, put on your garment. Get your praise music on. Oh, God, I just can't. That Would you turn on the music for No, he's not going to. You make a choice and you turn it on and turn it up to block out your mind. <laughs> Get that music going. I know the bed felt good this morning. I mean, I tell you, I'll just be honest with you. I just, man, this bed feels so good. The alarm's going off. That's the one noise I just... There's no alarms in heaven. And it used to be I've, I've been known to hit a few of the alarm clocks. But now it's my phone, so I have to be nice. <laughs> I'm not going to hit that phone. I already drop it enough as it is. So I got to treat it nice. And I'm thinking... Get up, get up, get up. This is Sunday. This is Sunday. Get up. You are the pastor. You know, there. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank you for reminding me. So, what did I do? I get ready to take a shower. I'm looking. I got my, I got my phone music box, my phone. That, nope, nope. Oh, yes, it's a skillet morning. <laughs> blaring, blaring, skillet's gone. I'm invincible, the best secret. I'm just going, and I'm alive again. What did I do? I put on a garment of praise. You've got to do it, you take the action. <laughs> question for you are you wearing your robe do you have your garments on number two the ring the ring was the ring of authority the son's dignity was restored he was once again um, a member of the family he didn't have to be a hired servant he was part of the family it's what the ring represented. In uh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 42. Then Pharaoh took the signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, 
which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. The ring represents authority. Joseph received authority by Pharaoh. We receive authority by God the Father. It's a gift. He gives you a ring of authority. Why do we have authority? To use it. Are there attacks? I'm glad there's no more attacks. We don't need to use authority anymore. (laughs) No, we need to stand against evil. There's still an enemy in the earth. And we need to speak. And we need to use our authority and put the enemy beneath our feet. Jesus spoke to things. He spoke to fig trees. He spoke to weather. I speak to so many different things. That's what we're called to do, using our authority. How do we speak? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I I pray for your divine intervention in this meeting or in this decision. In the name of Jesus. The way we use our authority is using the name. In the name of Jesus. We've been authorized, given delegated authority to use that name. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's been given the name that's above every name that's named, above principalities and powers, rulers of darkness and high high places. He's been given the name that's above everything. That is name. If you can name it, the name of Jesus is far above it. And we have authority. And we need to use it. Don't take your ring off. Keep it on. We have authority in the earth. In Matthew chapter 21, the Pharisees asked Jesus. He was teaching in the temple. They said, by what authority are you teaching? And then they said, who is giving you this authority? And Jesus being Jesus, he didn't answer them. He said, let me ask you a question. (laughs) The baptism of John, was that from man or was that from heaven? And them fearing the crowd did not answer. But Jesus went on and he taught. In Matthew 21 verse 28 says, But what do you think? A man had two sons and came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. He answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Authority is exercised by believing and obeying father. Trusting God. You exercise authority. Faith is responding to what God has already done. Faith is us responding to his word. Will we obey it? Or will we not? It's our choice what we do. We must take that name and use it. In Esther chapter 8 verse 8. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews. As you please in the king's name. And seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name. And sealed with the king's signet ring. No one can revoke. Do we have anything written in the king's name? Hold up your Bible. 
It's a new day. You're holding up your phone, some of you. Yeah. It's written in the king's name. If you will agree with it, it will not be revoked. You can bank on it. You can put your eternity at stake. Because he is not a God who will lie. He always tells the truth. He's a good God. Everything written in the king's name and sealed with our agreement come to pass. Wherever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Wherever you loose on earth will be loosed in the earth. We have authority to bind some things and to loose some things. We have to walk in it and exercise it. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Then Jesus spake, and then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, or it's not Jesus speaking. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And now Jesus is speaking. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have authority. What was it? It said the demons are subject to us in your name. In your name. Peter and Paul, when they, at the uh, Gate Beautiful, when the, the man was healed, they were asked, how did you do this? Or they wanted to worship them as God. So we're not God. It was just faith in the name. Faith in the name of Jesus that caused this man to be raised up. So you build your faith in the name of Jesus because that name is more powerful than sickness, disease, than heartache, than generational curses. It's more powerful than anything that you can face coming against you. The mighty, glorious name of Jesus Christ. And we've been given that name to use. Number three, the shoes. When the son returned, he came as a slave or, or barefooted. And that's what they... Uh, you didn't have shoes. You were uh, like a slave. You were on something. Um, you were not connected to family. Is what that represented back then. The father removed the slave mentality and put shoes on his feet. He was no longer outcast. He was once again a son. He was not looked down upon anymore. He had a path to take. He was received and fully restored and walking in the rights and privileges of the family. What are your rights and privileges of the family? Look at the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Christ. Not in you, in Christ. So the promises of God are for us today. Wow, we have some rights and privileges, don't we? I thought about Boaz and Ruth. You remember the story there. They fell in love, but there was a problem. There was a, uh, they weren't first in line to redeem, to bring an heir for Israel. What did they do? They had to go to that person. Boaz went to the person that was to take, that really legally could have taken Ruth and the brother. 
And we know there was an issue in Ruth chapter 4, verse 7. It says, now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off a sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. So they took the sandal off, giving it to the other in exchange or in confirmation that I'm laying down my rights to this thing that is rightfully mine, but I lay it down to you. And Boaz said, are you going to take care of her? Are you going to marry her, take her in? And they do this talk, and he said, no, I'm not. Here's my shoes. <laughs> Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 25. Then the elders of the city shall call him. That's what the law says. And speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot. Now, I always get a kick out of this. Spit in his face. You don't want me, Buster? <laughs> God, let there be a little. <laughs> Why did I get into this? A little bit of revenge for the woman here. I mean, I, I can... I can imagine there was some, whew, there were some wads. There. Okay. Get that, get out of your head. Okay. Moving on. Kind of hard. <laughs> Remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel the house of him who had his sandal removed. And then he gets stuck with this name. You know, it's not a boy named Sue. It's <laughs> I'm the one who had his sandal removed. Nice to meet you. You remember Moses at the burning bush? What did he do? He took his sandals off. He was saying, all my rights are gone. Yes, it was a holy place, but see, he was laying down all his rights. Joshua, the commander of the Lord's army, came to him and said, take off your shoes. You're not in charge of this. Take off the shoes. Give up your rights. Taking off your shoes means to give up your rights. No one is saved if he hasn't given up his rights. Thought you said putting on shoes, you had rights. I'm saying you come to God and you take off your shoes. You give up all your rights and privileges. When you come to God, you don't have a right any longer to walk in unforgiveness. You don't have a right to walk in, in anything but the love of God. You don't have a right to cheat, to steal. You don't have a right to lie. You have a right to do righteously. There are some rights that you do have. You have a, a right to live in the holy life. You have a right to live in the upright manner that, that pleases God. You have a right to the purpose and plan of God and destiny he has for your life. You have a right to seek his face and to come boldly into the throne room of grace and find out what God has to say about your situation. You have some rights and privileges that far out shine and out glory what you're taking off and laying down. 
But you lay down your opinion. Because God loves that person just as much as he loves you. God will answer your prayer. It's not a man. Well, God answered Pastor Bob's prayer because he's special. No. I am special. But the truth is, you're special too. Everyone is special to Father God. Everyone. None are left out. So those ones that you're watching on the news that aggravate you or whoever it is, that co-worker that aggravates you, God loves them. You need to be praying for them. You've been asking God for someone to minister to. Hello. They're right beside you. I don't remember. On the job, not here. <laughs> Maybe here. The way to get saved, you give up your rights. And God gives you rights. He gives you new shoes. The rights and privileges of a child of God. The shoes were for protection. And actually, you look at the armor of God. Said our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what those shoes? You're to walk around with the peace of God. Turmoil, if something comes, bad news, take it to God and keep your shoes on. Walking with confidence, walking the path from glory to glory with God. I can remember uh, camping uh, years ago, and uh, there was a young man, there was a father, had gone out with his son, and they both couldn't swim. And uh, the father tried to go after the son. He lost the son, and he started going down uh, the river there. And somebody went to get the son. I went after the young man. He had, he had already gone under a couple times. And when I got to him, it was like in slow motion. And um, he was just glassy-eyed. He was nothing. And I was able to bring him. And they were able to revive him. But uh, I found out later that even if you're a life, uh, lifeguard, they teach you if you're right there, a person drowning, you wait until the fight's gone because they'll pull other people under. But once the fight's gone and you give up and you surrender, you can be saved. And that's what God wants us to surrender and just give up. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. If you've never made a decision for Christ... And you need to take off the filthy garments and put on a new robe. You need a ring on your finger. You need, you need to yield up your rights, your opinions, your way of doing things and surrender to him this morning. No one looking around, that's you. Just lift your hand. Maybe you prayed it before, but you know you're not living your all for God. You're not... You're not where you should be. We're going to all pray together. Just repeat this after me. 
Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to take my place. He took my sin, my shame, my guilt, my fears. He took it all for me. And I receive and I surrender. I lay down my life and I take up the life of Christ. I'll live for you. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this life. In Jesus' name. I want to say if you have a prodigal son or daughter, you have one wondering, want the prayer partners. Let's go ahead and stand. Prayer partners, come down. If you prayed and accepted the Lord, I want you to come with and get tell these people, one of the prayer partners, what happened. But if you have a prodigal son and daughter, one thing that is in this message too is the power of expectancy, the power of prayer, and just keep on keeping on, getting agreement. I'm telling you, prayer can bring the prodigal home. Prayer and God's divine intervention can bring the prodigal home. And maybe you want to see a breakthrough in your marriage or your children's marriage or whatever it is. Come and receive. Or maybe you heard this morning about authority and you realize you haven't been taking authority. Come and let these take authority for you. Let them show you how to take authority. And things will change at the name, the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Or maybe someone to pray with you and the comforter will be there. The Holy Spirit will be there to bring you comfort and bring you strength cause you to rise up out of that place of despair. Some of you have some decisions that you're making and the Lord wants to be at the center of those decisions. Come and receive agreement. You know, there's wisdom in having others pray for you because many times they will pray with a different perspective than we will pray. So we need each other and we need the body of Christ. As we worship the Lord and close out, come and receive prayer and let God be glorified. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.